0: Hi, I'm Rui Branco. Welcome to Talking Use Work, a podcast brought to you by the Future Labs project. Talking Use Work is a series of 15 podcast interviews to use work experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in youth work, either because they are using creative methods to empower young people researching on use trends or responsible for youth policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can youth workers shake up, upgrade, and innovate on their daily work.
1: Hi, my name is Anita. I'm a youth work trainer, and together with Hui, we host this podcast. In this episode, we were talking with Joachim Marnoy from Norway, and Joachim works in youth work as a coordinator of youth work around the topic of remembrance. He explained this, what this concept means, this idea of looking to the past, to history, um, and used that as a basis for reflecting about today's happenings, namely comparing um, old wars, and what happened before and after these wars, comparing them to today. What signs do we see today that can be uh, similar to signs that happened before bigger wars in the past? Joachim also shared with us how can youth workers that don't work in a museum like he does, use remembrance in their work as a tool by using movies or objects or i don't know a local museum or something else so it was a very interesting conversation we hope you enjoy it as much as we did so get ready let's talk youth work good evening joachim and good evening
2: good evening good
0: evening from portugal and you
1: well um, me and joachim we are both in norway although it seems that we are still uh, 1,500 kilometers away. Is that correct?
2: Something like that, yes. Just a a two-day drive.
1: Oh, that's not too much. Nothing too much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for somebody coming from Portugal, that is quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's very funny because when we started thinking of doing this episode with Joachim, I thought about it because I was coming to Norway and in my Portuguese mind, <laughs> which is territorial-wise very small, um, I thought, like, well, yeah, maybe we meet. And then I find out that we are still two days away from the drive. So it's, uh, it, it didn't work out as well as I expected.
2: So what you're saying is that you only thought of me because you're <laughs> going to Norway. That's uh,
1: that's kind of it, yeah.
2: Great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Norwegian reference. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you, Rui. Now you put it very well. <laughs> You're my Norwegian reference, actually. Well, it's really great to have you here. And today, um, the idea to have this conversation with you came because I remember that when I met you uh, in the training of trainers two years ago, I think. Am I right?
2: Yeah, it started uh, Yeah, two years ago. Two years ago. Yes.
1: Um. You kind of introduced me to this uh, new concept of uh, remembrance and how you work around it. So uh, Joakim, for the ones who are listening to us, is a youth worker coordinator in Norway uh, working on this topic of remembrance. And I'm not even going to attempt to try to explain it. I'm going to ask you to maybe clarify this concept. What, What does it mean to work with this concept of remembrance? What is it?
2: Well, first of all, I don't think it's a it's a new concept. Uh, so, obviously, I am uh, probably borrowing from from a lot of different sources. Um, the Council of Europe, for one, they've been doing rem- remembrance work, remembrance education for mm-hmm. well, probably since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but remembrance or remembrance education, the way I understand it, it has two um two two prongs in a way Two um um it goes in two different directions kind of so first it's about what it sounds Mm -hmm. like it's about remembering and commemorating events or people or feats of the past maybe honoring certain people who've done uh, great deeds or um acknowledging um travesties and and, um, atrocities that have happened in in the past Mm -hmm. so such as wars uh, that kind of thing so it's just about uh, keeping that memory alive that's one of the um, uh, one of the sites about remembrance education the other one and this is for me at least by far the most important it is um, to sort of put that history to work to let those wars, atrocities, uh, human rights violations, etc. Uh, be kind of a warning light for things that we would like to not see happen again.
1: <clears throat> right, so I, 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 I think this is really really interesting because I understand when you say that it is not new and it isn't of course and uh, to a certain extent uh, the educative services of museums have done this uh, for for many many decades however i think in youth work to use it uh, purposely in youth work with young people i don't see that happening um, very commonly in europe do, do you do you share this kind of work with a lot of other institutions in europe do you know is there or is there any network or bigger umbrella organizations working on this field
2: there are there are other organizations also within the Erasmus plus framework that do uh, work with remembrance uh, can't really say that I am connected to a lot of them uh, I work for one um, and I probably know a few others but uh, in terms of direct cooperation that we've had it's uh, it's rather limited um, so I, I suppose that could also be um my invitation to to get in touch because um, I would love to have some cooperation out of this as well. Um, But, well, for us, I guess it it kind of started in the um, in the other end. The organization I work for, it's um, located where it is in the north of Norway Mm -hmm. because of um, the major battles that took place here during the Second World War. So. Um, the museum that we have, it uh, it started as a place of memory. Uh, the target group when they started back in the sixties, it was uh, it was already then young people.
0: Mm.
2: But uh, but without this sort of um, more forward looking approach that I think we are uh, trying to to have now. So it's more about collecting objects, putting facts together, um, piecing together a timeline, making sure that the people in this region, the young people in this region, uh, would know what war could mean in Mm -hmm. in a very local and regional context. Uh, Whereas today, um, as I said, having this concept, this idea of remembrance or history um, to serve as a a warning light, uh, there are many lessons that you can that you can take from what has happened before. Um, human rights violations, <clears throat> um, uh, the rhetoric by politicians, mm-hmm. uh, ways we treat each other, how mm-hmm. we view um, other people, uh, so, so that kind of s- thing. Yes.
1: Mm, so let me see if I understood well. Your organization is basically a museum or is it um, an organization which has other kind of uh, equipments or projects, and also a museum?
2: It is an organization that runs a museum. so um, the museum is um, it's our venue okay but um, but we do training courses. we do seminars, conferences, youth exchanges in in many other locations as well, mm. sometimes also here so that we can actually visit and and make direct use of our museum but uh, but yeah not not only that
1: okay mm-hmm.
0: uh, I have w- uh, one question is you talk about the the importance of remembering the the wars the atrocities but uh, as human beings we have the tendency to uh, erase those things it's when they're not comfortable so uh, if I understand you bring the the uncomfortable parts, so people don't forget that uh, those things, so we don't fall there again.
2: In a in a way, yes. One question that we are that that is very often put to us, especially by young people. I mean, if we are um, if we are showing explaining something from the Second World War, let's say the Holocaust, a very major part of the Second World War. A very typical question for someone to ask is, how could someone do something like that? How is it possible for someone to do something like that? And um, all research will tell you now that um, we're all capable of it within the human condition. We, Given the, the wrong uh, circumstances and, and the wrong influences, we're all capable of, um, Doing horrible things, so um, it's possible I'm digressing a little bit from your question, uh, Rui. But um, when working with this, what I like to do is um, try to, well, perhaps even manipulate a little bit. Try to set up an exercise um, that will have the participants reflect about their own views and what would it take for you to take those views to an extreme basically how far would you what would it take for you to be able to go to an extreme and how far would you be willing and able to go for what you believe to be the right thing one way or the other
0: so is raising the awareness so uh, young people can recognize the signals of of those things
2: i think so for me, what what brought me into this field of um, non-formal education in the first place was um, was an exercise I was involved in as a participant, uh, which gave me a very strong aha experience, a aha moment. In that, I thought I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was living up to my um, uh, my self-proclaimed principles, and in the end. I probably didn't and and this struck a chord with me that was um that was so strong that made me realize that um these um well in this particular exercise uh, these influences these uh, hidden forces were playing tricks on me and um i think there is a a very valid learning point in that in society around us today, that um, there are so many influences on all people, young people in, in particular, perhaps, that, um, yeah, raising the awareness that um, that you need to look out for these um, small clues uh, and cues that, um, that try to pull you into some agenda.
0: Yeah because we we think we're very rational and and that uh, we know exactly what we're doing and history has proven us wrong.
2: Yeah, I think um yeah, well there are those sayings that uh those who forget history are are bound to 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 repeat, repeat it. it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Mm. I think it's very interesting what you guys are talking about on the sense of, of raising this topic of um, how much we believe that we are in control of what we do and all our choices, our conscious choices. And I, I think maybe when we are young, even more, we have this impression that we have total um, control over our lives, our choices, our thoughts, our feelings. And it's quite not so. There's many, many influences. And sometimes it's hard to spot when we are still in the track we wanted to be in the first place. And when we are deviating, you know, one, one small millimeter at a time. And when we look back, suddenly we are in a completely different path. And and that made me think, um, Joachim, how do you do this with the young people? Because you talked about one exercise that you lived that kind of changed your perception about yourself how do you do this with young people within a museum because w- what i have in my mind of a war museum is a horrible dark uninspiring place i have to say uh, where a young person would feel nothing but depressed so i'm wondering how how do you how do you use this space how does it look like and what is the experience of a young person when they go in what what happens there
2: well, you're in the same country, so you should uh, probably just come and visit. It's not that far.
1: <laughs> well, give me two days. I'll be there.
2: Yes. <laughs> Start walking, Anita. <laughs> well, the the museum is um, is probably quite different. Or parts of it is probably quite uh, quite different from what you've um, seen before.
0: I hope uh, so.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, we. Um, our main target group is um is still the young people. but something and and the museum we have now is uh, is brand new. it's only it's only been open for about two years now. Um, and the reason we um we constructed this new one with a whole new um, idea and and concept uh, in terms of exhibitions and approach is that uh, it it was no longer sufficient to talk about. Uh, facts and tell stories and uh, and talk about the people who who were involved um, right. 70 odd years ago it didn't connect to the young people so um adding more uh, digital tools that's one thing but uh but that doesn't really make a difference in terms of uh, of con- of um, content necessarily so what we've done we have about half of the museum is um is structured in a more in a more traditional way as a memorial um, taking you through the battles um, of Narvik um, in 1940 the occupation and and all the things that you traditionally connect to the second world war that is our basis but then we we draw the line on the second world war and then we move on to um, um the the biggest floor space that we've got which is um this big open space. It's um it's built as sort of a post um, ap- uh, apocalyptic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the ground is breaking up. You've got um, well, it's it's a big mess in terms of objects being scattered around, and um and it's fairly abstract. So um some of the objects have been modified. We'll uh, give you one example. We have a uh, we have a French tank from the Second World War. Uh, the turret, the gun, has been modified so that it uh, looks like something from from Disney movie. Hmm. It's bent backwards so that it, it sort of looks as, as though it could be firing at itself. And, um, right. and then we introduce um, different types of perspectives. We reflect on the meaning of one, two, three, four uh, contemporary situations so this um this example about the tank um, one of the issues this is races um, is the war on terror. What happens when you shoot at someone? You know sort of the knee jerk reaction of most people is that they will shoot back so so we we try to we try to engage. All of our visitors um, into leaving with new questions, leaving with um, some sort of new reflection on their mind. So we don't really provide any answers. We we try to stoke new questions. Um, can you really solve a conflict with with um, violence? Can you win a war through use of violence? So um. Yeah, we, we try to use these um, abstract uh, installations.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, also some that might give you a bit of a shock, jolt you a little bit. Uh, we have one um, full-sized uh, 20, 20-foot shipping container, um, same one you would find on a, on a lorry or a train. Uh, inside of that, there's a labyrinth. Uh, And you walk through the labyrinth and um, at the end of it, you find uh, instruments of torture Um, put uh, in comparison next to each other. Instruments of torture that have been used uh, in this region uh, in uh, Nazi concentration camps and instruments of torture that are being used in uh, different parts of the world today. For instance, uh, in Eritrea uh, or North Korea.
0: Uh, and we, um, uh, no. yeah, I was thinking, just,
2: what's the minimum
0: age of the <laughs> of the attendants? Yes. We
1: are under our bedsheets already, both of us, <laughs> scared to death. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I'm I'm protecting my my daughters. I'm hiding them.
2: <laughs> yeah, that one might be uh, a little bit dark, um, mm. but that's not all. Uh, we have one. Well, it's not a real skull, but it's um. A plastic skull inside a little glass display. Uh, You have to lean down a little bit close to it to really see what it is. And um, the lighting is set in a way that when you are positioned in front of it, uh, it kind of reflects your face on the skull. So the idea, and this is probably a little macabre for for some, but um, the idea of this is that it shows, it tries to show anyway that, um, you could be on the receiving end of this. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's by some sort of chance that you were born where you were born instead of in a conflict area.
1: Right. Uh, I think what you, what you're describing is, is really, really interesting because, and I, now I really want to go there and visit the the Uh museum. Um, it does sound dark and 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 very provocative, obviously, but I I think there's two things that, that I that I take or that you're making me think of when, when you're describing this space. First of all, is that it is thought provoking and it, it it does promote a lot of critical thinking of questioning, like you said, uh, a lot of the narratives that we are listening today in the media and of this kind of simplistic narratives that promote violence um, and that um, suggest that there's easy solutions if we just, you know, give a big push away to some others that are in our way somehow, you know, with, with a, a lot of even world leaders today referring to others as the problem. And if we push them away, um, then then our, all our problems are solved. So I, I think it sounds like a a space where, as a young person, I would feel um, a bit confused, and and it would push me to question things. And secondly, to realize how much this is real today. How much, like when you talk about uh, instruments of torture that were used back then, and some that are used today, then you know, it's it's a big reminder that you know war times and war crimes are not past us. They're they're still yeah. very, very present nowadays. So I, I think that's super interesting.
2: No, very much so. And of course we um the, the reason we have done it this way is um is that we are trying to show the relevance of looking at our own history. Um and in in, in this town where I live there has been war. It's been many decades since the end of that war, but, uh, but we've, we have seen it, we have, um, so this land has also seen war, Mm -hmm. uh, even though it's very peaceful and and quiet uh, nowadays. So, um, in other parts of the world where there is war today, there hasn't always been war, even though, you know, some of the media will have you believe that there's always been war in this, this and that part of the world. So, um, It's about trying to connect um, the wars of the past with the wars of today and um, trying to see, in my view, the fact that um, the reasons for war today are remarkably similar to the reasons of wars uh, in the past. They were about the same things. They were about, well, uh, a struggle for resources. Or values that collided somehow, uh, and it's the same that we see around us today.
1: Right. And and do you do you recognize in young people um, some of this extremism that we've been noticing uh, rising in, in in Europe? That there's this tendency to um, radicalize our uh, positions, political positions or political views of the world, and that a lot of young people are prone to follow some of these views, because I, I can imagine that um, this place kind of demystifies a little bit um, uh, this, this glamour that sometimes the media um, cover violence with. You know, sometimes... Not only, I don't even talk only about Hollywood movies anymore. All around us, there's this growing idea that there's some kind of heroism, glamour around war, around fighting others, um, fighting for our, I don't know, perceived rights. Yeah. So, do you get a lot of this? Do you get a lot of young people that come with this kind of more extremist ideas nowadays? Do you feel any difference on this?
2: uh i am actually not too concerned about young people when when i think about your question it's more that the ones who challenge us um, for this um well for these abstract installations they tend to be the elderly Okay. El- elderly men the ones who have a, a strong interest perhaps uh, a little bit over the top fascination for the second world war right. um coming to us Uh, critiquing us, saying that um, this is not a war museum, this is a peace museum. And they seem to use that as a derogatory term, which (laughs) I don't really understand at all. Uh, Now, my view is that um, the the young people, most of the young people that we have by uh, the museum, uh, and of course, when we have, let's say, a school class, then we make sure uh to introduce the concept properly before we start the tour Mm -hmm. and um and then we do some reflection afterwards uh, sort of like a debrief Uh, and for the most part my impression is that it connects um asking some some reflective questions afterwards um to try to make them see the the point of um these different installations uh, it, it connects with them
0: yeah i was thinking of one thing that like anita was saying that the movies and the media it's always about the good versus the bad and things aren't yeah. always that clear who's the good one and who's the bad one
2: yeah absolutely um well, just to if, if I were to summarize the approach and the attempt of the of the museum, uh, it would be that we're trying to explore all of the gray zones. Yep. That is basically what we're trying to put across. Uh, it's not about um, having, well, in the case of the Second World War, uh, the Germans on the one side being the bad guys and the villains, and only that, and and then having us. Being uh, an occupied um, country and population, always being the good guys, uh, it's not black and white like that. Uh, so, it wasn't a war strictly about the the, the good versus evil. Uh, there are so many grey zones in between. And um, yeah, if if I have um, a school class or a, a, an individual young person come by and they start to reflect um, about the grey zones, if they leave the museum realizing that a situation is probably never black and white, then I consider that to be a success.
0: Yeah, I was thinking that if people leave the museum um, thinking about the concept that they could be the victim or the perpetrator, it will raise the awareness of being a um, being cautious with some some things that we usually do or some sentences that we say because we can be in the receiving end of both of both places
2: yes yes no i i completely agree with that uh, it's about trying to foster critical thinking uh, as you mentioned before uh, anita politicians are trying to polarize um the debate the population very often for their own political gains and uh i mean nowadays well fake news is a very trendy term um but it's really something that i i think we need to to focus on with um with young people and adults uh this this thing about critical thinking
1: yeah yeah i, I totally, i'm totally with you on that because because i this is something that i see happening a lot around me is um a lot of grown-ups and young people like repeating these cliches uh i don't know science is the new religion and and they repeat these kind of sentences um that i i understand the point but at much of it is kind of Puts us away from developments that, as a civilization, as humanity, we we fought a lot for. For example, the, the pursuit of knowledge, the pursuit of of, um, of the truth, like like science, and suddenly it's put it as uh, something that uh, is maybe not so relevant anymore. And my opinion might be as relevant as uh, in in terms of decision making. Um, for the whole, for society, yeah. and and that lack of self awareness, self criticism that we just repeat simplified uh, sentences that without ask really asking ourselves, what am I saying? What does this mean? What consequences would this have if everybody thought like me yeah. or like what I'm saying right now? And so I think critical thinking is a key point here to yeah. to the work you do.
0: Yeah, but we're, we're going with lazy thinking, not critical thinking, because it's, it's easy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, source critique, uh, where, where do our own attitudes come from? Where do our beliefs come from? And our values and, and, and so on. To try to, I don't know, maybe reflect a bit on that. Why, why do I believe that this is the right way to go and uh, the other way is, is wrong? Yeah.
0: yeah but usually we say that history repeats itself. So uh can yeah. we break the pattern because I was thinking about a, a good book it's called Lessons of History of Will and Ariel Durant they were they they were doing a world history encyclopedia and they made a very small book just like the big findings that they that they realized when they were uh, studying since ancient Greece or something like that till now, nord- almost nowadays, nord- and there are patterns that repeat itself, and we should have learned by now. It, it, it's been two thousand years, and we're still going in the same patterns.
2: Yeah, it uh, it seems like we do. <laughs> you know, something that we we try to to introduce to focus a bit on uh, sometimes in the museum is. Um, is something that we well initially we called it the anatomy of war Uh, and it was a cycle that um, it begins with um, division of roles so it's us and them it's it's Mm -hmm. we and the other and then some sort of tension arises and then uh, it escalates and then you have uh, violence and then uh, well according to this cycle no war can last forever so at some point there will be some sort of reconciliation and then the tension starts again Um, and after after keeping this um this wheel for about a year we started questioning it uh maybe Rui as an architect maybe this is uh (laughs) this is kind of in your field We, we thought this is not the anatomy of war this is the architecture of war because it's it's man-made. Yeah. This this cycle repeats itself because we make it so. So, um, yeah, it, it, history repeats itself. It, it's probably true in a way. It's uh, it is a cliche. It's probably true, but it doesn't repeat itself by itself.
0: Yeah, we it's planned, make it so. Like yeah. like a, like the in architecture, you have a plan. Yeah. So there are plans. It's designed, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: it's designed, yeah, yeah. Joachim, um, a lot of a lot of our listeners are youth workers that around around Europe and even around the world um, might be interested in doing such kind of work, but don't work in a museum and don't have a great labyrinth um, inside their their venue. Um, so I'm wondering. Can you, can you, can you, what would you say to to a youth worker that wants to uh, work a little bit more with remembrance, feels that he could do this work, but doesn't have such a venue? What could he or she do? Any advices?
2: I would say, um, I would say go for it. Uh, (laughs) Oh, well. no, we we are also not confined. find museum. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually did once during a youth exchange. Yeah. We we built our own museum. The the participants built their own museum, and um, and so what we did there was was to try to deconstruct what uh, what is the meaning of a museum. Um, how can you tell a story? How can you disseminate something? Uh, put across a message. Or if you have some sort of um, um, value agenda, how can you how can you influence someone into um, into believing in, in the values that you believe in, whether they're human rights or something else? So uh, it's definitely possible. But okay. um, I, I wouldn't really I wouldn't really limit myself uh, to the museum in in any case. Because the museum is um, it's a vessel. It's just one of the it's just the, the venue that we happen to have available right. to um to try to put across to young people and grown ups the value of um having a human rights approach um and critical thinking and um and these key values that we um that I think we are together about. Uh, intercultural learning and and communication uh things like that so so the museum is um yeah it's a great uh, it's a great place for us to draw on but um we very often use just the just the 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 sort of the classroom that we have without using the exhibitions at all mm. so um you can make people reflect about uh, events of the past you can connect them to um, uh, modern days and contemporary situations without having um, any objects of history available
1: right and and i guess today with the, um, the digital <clears throat> worlds around us it's also very easy to access to I don't know, images or or movies or um, other kind of inputs or stimuli that that can help transport the young people to to these memories. Um, So so it's not so difficult anyway to, I can imagine, to to find something that as a youth worker, you relate to uh, maybe a movie or or something else, an image even, and starting just with that, or a newspaper and and, and an article from a newspaper from uh, whatever period of the history you want to use, and uh, well, after newspapers were invented <laughs> and, and show that and, and, and share that and discuss that with your young persons, I guess.
0: No, uh, no I was, exactly. uh, sorry.
2: No, you can use, uh, you can use Hollywood movies for that matter. And, and, uh, there's a, there's a researcher I know who, who's been, well, he's researching, um, war movies and war games, computer games. And he um, he, met, he he mentioned uh, the case of um, Black Hawk Down, uh, American movie about fifteen years old, oh. set in Somalia. So, um, uh, and basically, it, it portrays Somalis as um, this grim, brutal people, and you never get to see um, you, you never get to see them as um, as people, just uh, oh. just barbarians. So, watching a film like that, and then asking some reflective questions afterwards, um, do you know any Somalis, for example? So in Norway, we have a fairly sizable Somali diaspora. Mm. Do you know any people of Somali origin? Are they like that uh, as as they are portrayed in this uh, in this movie? Probably not the best example, but uh, but movies can be used as um as a way to introduce uh, reflection. Mm. Another example we did uh, also during a youth exchange was um, we started by using a, um, a comic book. This is a it's an illustrated history book about um, a massacre that took place in this region um, also during the second world war. Um, just for the for the participants to learn a bit about the um, the timeline, what happened, and at what times, uh, and who saw this, and the task that we gave them was um, was a thought experiment. What if uh, Twitter had existed in 1942 when this happened? What would people have said on their social media profiles? How would they have reacted?
1: Wow, that's powerful.
2: Uh, yeah, as a way to try to think. Um, what do we read on social media today? How do people react to atrocities that happen today? So, um, again, it, it was a way of trying to to link uh, a historical event with, uh, well, the world around us now.
1: I love those two ideas, making a museum yourself or questioning what would social media say in the Times about, about those events. They can... <laughs> Can be very triggering and it, it really pushes young people to build these scenarios to think in what ifs, you no? Know? So to, and also to analyze what is our patterns now? You know, what are the patterns of news uh on, on social media that exist now when something happens, you know, the, the flush sure. of fake news and uh, the je suis blah 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 and the movements that are created around something and how, how people normally react. And it's very interesting because young people live this every day. So, so it, we don't need to tell them how, how, how the things are functioning yeah. around conflict because they will be very much able to identify this if we apply them to past events.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah, and fake news yeah. has another name also that they know quite well. It's called gossip. Uh, <laughs> it's the same thing in, in a different scale.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Or
2: propaganda. Propaganda, yeah. yeah.
1: Very good. Well, Joachim, it's been a pleasure to discuss this with you. We're almost at the end of our episode. And as a tradition, we have a question that a previous guest left as a challenge, uh, in this case for you. Are you ready?
2: Uh, Well, yeah, ready as can be. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, the question is this. Uh, how do you see in the future, in youth work obviously, how do you see um, the use, the combination of digital and analogic worlds? How, how do you see these two worlds um, co-living uh, in, in the future in this area of youth work?
2: Right.
1: Uh, <laughs> don't worry, you can revenge later on and leave a question for the next guest.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it, it is a challenge often, I think, that uh, people tend to get lost in, in their gadgets. Um, the attention span is is probably getting a bit shorter as a result of it, or I don't really know. Um. I don't really have a good answer to that. To that, maybe, maybe that um, some of the time they need to be separated. Oh. I am probably not one of those um, youth work trainers who are uh, hugely fascinated by uh, by technology. I prefer it a bit more old school. Up and move. Um, go out and do stuff. Right. Uh, instead of using apps and uh, uh, and digital technology all the all of the time, so my my view would be probably to try to limit it a little bit and uh, give that its space when when it's time.
1: Right. And what what are what are things that you find now innovative in youth work for yourself? Is there anything recently that? that has uh, impressed you, something new that you thought, like, oh, mm, I never thought of this, or um, this can be a good solution, something uh, that uh, impressed you, uh, some novelty in youth work, is there something that you can think of? Uh,
2: uh, um, another difficult question. Yeah,
1: I know. Well, they're,
2: they're obviously, <laughs> yeah, you, you do, that, do that by design, I think.
1: Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Now, obviously, there are there are many things that have um, inspired me in different ways. Um, the use of um, the use of games or game based exercises, um, the use of escape rooms as an educational method—that's something I got. I was very fascinated by.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we already had one episode with Gabby on that.
2: Yeah, exactly. I've talked to her about this before as well. Um, but for me, uh, non-formal education is powerful uh, in big part because it, it, it draws you in. It creates this, this flow. Right. Um, and um, something like an escape room or any other game-based uh, exercise, um, for me, that works really well. So, um, it's it's hardly any uh, sort of new discovery, but um but it works. So, let's keep it.
1: no, I, I think it's great. and and that's why we already had episodes on on those things because we also believe that it's it has uh, innovation, innovative elements in it that do make a difference and enhance some of these uh, experiences for young people and create, create more powerful experiences, more memorable experiences, and that facilitates learning. So I'm totally with you on this. I I agree with you. These are very uh, interesting developments.
0: Yeah. So So, have your revenge now. (laughs) Leave the question for the next guest.
1: We were thinking of the same. What (laughs) could you leave as a question for a future guest?
0: Do I get to
2: choose the guest?
1: No. No. (laughs) That would be too cruel.
0: (laughs) That would mean war.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that I am wondering about is... Um, right, so I, I live in a fairly small town. And um, local communities have always meant a lot here. And um, with increased opportunities for, well, most young people in Norway and North Norway... Um, this this love for traveling, moving away, um, going to training courses, and so on and so forth, um, it is becoming more and more widespread, and it's it's good. But um, is there a way to connect to term or to help connect young people to their local small communities, uh, the villages, the countryside? Um, instead of um, well as a, as opposed to just getting lost in in the sort of jet set lifestyle is that yeah. a coherent question
1: yes yes I, it's, I a great, it's a good yeah and i think it's a very challenging and and very interesting one and very thought provoking
2: it should be challenging because i um <laughs> i got i got one as well
1: <laughs> very very good um well i'm I really want to thank you for sharing this with us. I think um, that the work you do around um, your museum and um, this idea of remembrance of using history and our common memories as something that can be a trigger for critical thinking and reflection about our society, but also about ourselves and about our future. I think it's very powerful, and and in on itself innovative because uh, i mean i i, I think you, it's it's what our grandparents used to do with us but you know 5.0 now you know it's yeah. in my time it happened like this but now enhanced and with uh, digital tools around it and installations and bringing the message in a whole new way and i think that's that's very very interesting so it was lovely yeah. to have you with us. Thank you very very much.
0: And we have an event advantage now uh, from our grandparents is that we have images of most of the things we can show exactly. it's just, it just it's not only an oral story it can be
2: visual. Yeah, Thank exactly. You. Well, More you uh, adapting to new target groups using uh, new methods.
1: Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, right. Joachim. Kim. It was a pleasure.
2: Yes. Thank you both for the conversation. Yeah. And see you around,
1: uh, hopefully, in Norway or Portugal or somewhere in between.
2: Yep. Somewhere in between, yes. (laughs) Probably more likely.
1: (laughs) Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.
2: All right. Bye-bye.
0: And that was our 11th episode. Hope you remember to tune in the next time for another great episode. See you. This podcast is funded by the Erasmus Plus Youth Watch program, powered by Tim Mais and the editorial board of UMAC University of Applied Sciences, Kari Keuro, Jarmu Roxa and Kristina Vesama, with the support of all the Future Labs partners.